The other day, Katie and I were watching a show from the late 90s, and we were startled when they were not social distancing in the show. Uh, th this season that we're in has gone on long enough to become embedded in our psyche, all of us. But, you know, it's affected us in different ways. Some of us are suffering loneliness. Others are angry. We're concerned about the ongoing economic fallout, the ongoing toll of the virus, potentially, or the political precedent that's been set during this time period. And things are about to begin shifting again. The, the stores are already getting busier. We're soon going to be able to regather for worship in person, it looks like. This week, the staff and parish council are going to continue a conversation about what it looks like for us to do this well, which could mean having services outside for a while, continuing to provide services online for those who are most vulnerable or most concerned about gathering. What I want to ask this morning is how do we emerge from this better? How do we regather in such a way that we are better than we were before? I heard somewhere recently that the next few months could be some of the most trying times within the church uh, of recent date, some of the most divisive, because people are going to react differently, some more or less conservative than others. And also in the coming months, there are going to be ongoing evaluations of who was right, of what could have been done better or what could have not been done. And there, too, we will have disagreements. Still, how do we emerge better, stronger? We have to believe that this is what God wants for his people and for his church, to be better on the other side of this somehow. And to do so, we have to set aside all our instinctual worldly reactions and ask, what does Jesus Christ want for us? What does Jesus Christ want for his church? That's the question we're going to come back to at the end. But before I answer it, I want to fill it out in some ways. Now, this morning, we're going to learn some Greek. Christy Pascarella is really the one to teach us since her family is Greek. But we're only learning one word, and so I'm going to give it a shot. Here's the word. Perichoresis. Peri Choresis. Miss Kelly, I'd like you to unmute everyone for a second so that we can all say it together. I want the children to try too. Perichoresis. Can you say that? That's awesome. All right, we've got that recorded. All right. So, perichoresis. God the Father, oh, oh, sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back just a second. I think I was muted for a second. Perichoresis is a word the church has used for a very long time to describe the relationships within the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus tells us about his relationship with the Father in the passage that John Bennett's just read for us in John 14. This is verse 11, Jesus says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The Father, Jesus says, dwells in me. That's verse 10. The Father and I are one, Jesus says in chapter 10 of John's gospel. 
Jesus says these kinds of things so often that it's honestly a little strange. No other son claims to be so alike to his father. Like father, like son takes on a new level of meaning when spoken of about Jesus and the father. Now, what does perichoresis mean? It means to dwell within another. The idea is that multiple individuals dwell in each other in a mysterious way. Now, I want you to think for a second of the way that we show hospitality to others by making room for them in our homes. We set a table, we set aside space for them to come and be with us, and we try to make them feel welcome. Perichoresis is the same, but it has to do with people making room for other people in, them, in their own lives. So in this case, it's with God. The persons of the Trinity make room within themselves for each of the others. The Father is within the Son. The Son is within the Father. The Spirit is within the Father and the Son. The Spirit is the Spirit of God the Father and the Spirit of Christ Jesus. So perichoresis is the nature and mystery of God as Trinity. The members of the Trinity make room for each other. They are three, yet they are one. But Jesus doesn't use this language only to speak about his relationship with the Father. He uses it also to speak about his relationship to us and our relationships to each other. Listen to what Jesus prays for in what we call his high priestly prayer of John 17. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Again here, Jesus says that the Father is in him, and he is in the Father. Then he prays that those who believe in him will be in him and in the Father. Now herein lies the mystery of Christian faith and salvation through Jesus Christ. Just as the persons of the Trinity make room for each other, God makes room for us. He invites us into his home. He cleans up our filth and our wounds, and we begin to exist in him, in Christ. Now, this is why the Apostle Paul addresses so many of his letters to people who are in Christ. So this is the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians chapter 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Uh, this isn't just any random way of speaking. Paul uses this so often because Jesus started it. To be in Christ means that Christ has become our home. We live in him. And to try living outside of Christ is a kind of death. Hence what we heard from uh, the letter of 1 Peter, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Your soul lives and receive its, receives its life in Christ. So if you try to live apart from Christ, feeding on the passions of your flesh, you experience a kind of death in yourself. We've all experienced that. Perichoresis explains the mystery of the Trinity. The members of the Trinity make room for one another. They are three, but they're one. Now, perichoresis also explains the mystery of our own salvation. God, in Christ, has made room for us. 
we have become one with God through Christ. But perichoresis also explains another mystery, the mystery of our relationships to each other. Now recall Jesus's prayer in John 17. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Jesus prays that in oneness with him and the Father, we would likewise be one with each other. And he isn't praying merely that we would agree with each other, that we would be perpetually conflict avoidant. Rather, he's praying that there would be an unbreakable bond of unity held between us as we follow our Lord. This perichoresis, this oneness among humans, is modeled in miniature in the institution of marriage, when a husband and wife live together as one flesh. The marriages at Church of the Lamb, when they're rooted in Christ, they point to the relationship between Christ and all of us as his church. Christ is our home, and we live in him with a host of brothers and sisters bonded together in him. And to abandon each other is in some ways also uh, to abandon Christ. So back to the original question. What does Jesus Christ want for us? What does he want for his church? What Christ wants for us does not change because of everything that's happened recently. We don't need to spend too much time speculating about deeper meanings of what's happened. If God wishes to show us something, we remain open to that and God will show us. But otherwise, speculations only distract us from our true mission and purpose as people of God. Christ wants for us now what he always wants, for us to find our home in him, to be one with him and with each other, to love him and to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is always the most urgent matter of our lives, to love Christ and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, our ability to receive and obey what Christ wants hasn't changed either. In Christ, we have everything that we need to love him and to love our neighbors faithfully in any circumstance, in any adversity. So to close, I want to give two very quick and practical things, actions we do as we move forward in this moment as a church. One, we're to work for Christ. As a church, we are to work for Christ. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12, that we've already heard. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And even greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Jesus says that his power will be available to his people as he goes to the Father and sends his helper, the Spirit. That between now and his return, we're to continue his, the work that he started. And because of his power with us, our own works will in some way outshine his own. Now that sounds nearly blasphemous to say had not Jesus been the one who said it. What could Jesus mean that we will do greater works than him? There's no way to answer this completely exhaustively, but 
one way to think about this is Jesus had only three years of ministry on earth. Many of us, by the grace of God, live much longer than he did. We work much longer. So think about the Apostle Paul. In 20 years of ministry, the Apostle Paul planted churches across the known world. Could that be the type of greater work that Jesus is speaking of? Could it be that we dare to create lasting work for Jesus's kingdom, each of us during our own lifetimes, in the way that God calls us to labor for him? Might Church of the Lamb and the power of the Spirit build an outpost of God's kingdom here, where we are, to last for generations to come, to build disciples, to make disciples here and of the nations for generations to come? Right now, we're beginning to see some of the works that our community needs from us in the immediate time. Through Jed Pascarella, we've learned that First Church of the Nazarene on Port Republic Road is distributing food and clothing to residents of Rockingham County, and they're in need of volunteers to pack boxes to get these materials out to people. Elkton Area United Services, which is uh, the only social services organization that I'm aware of in Eastern Rockingham County, they're certainly the largest. To my knowledge, they're currently distributing more food than ever, and they could use donations of toiletries. We're going to continue to let you know about these things as we learn about them, these kinds of opportunities. There are small businesses, there are other individuals that are going to need our help in the days to come, and I hope that you'll find the ways that God is calling you to follow in the steps of Jesus, to do the kinds of works that he did, to continue his work, to love him, and to love our neighbors. This is one practical thing that we are called to do. We are to do the works of Christ. But second, we're also to pray in the name of Christ. So Jesus says in this passage in John 14, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this passage is often a, a mystery to me. What does it mean to, that Jesus will give us anything that we ask for in his name? I think that part of discerning the mystery is continuing to pray in his name, and that is one of the ways we discern it. But here's something that we need to keep in mind. To ask something in the name of Christ is not merely to mention his name. It's to ask for something in serving his interests. To ask for something in the name of a king. Think about it. If you were a king's servant and you went and asked for something in the name of that king, um, if you were truly laboring in the name of the king, then you would be doing something that you really believe the king wanted you to do. If you were not doing something, if you were merely using his name as a form of deception to get what you want, then you would not be truly serving the interests of that king. It's the same with asking for things in the name of Jesus, our king. To ask for something in the name of Christ is to draw so near to Christ as the king of your life that his will becomes your will. And you ask for something because you deeply believe it 
to be his will. Now, people of Lamb, we are servants of King Jesus. Through him, we have come to live together in the mystery of the triune God. We experience this same perichoresis that Christ experienced with the Father, that the Father experiences with the Son, and that the Spirit has with the Father and the Son. We exist in the triune God together. And we are sent by the triune God to do great works in the name of Christ to pray in his name that his will would be done in Rockingham County and in the world itself. Now, as we look to regather, and some will decide to wait, still, regardless of what we do, let's hold fast that we have everything that we need in Christ to serve him well and to serve each other well and to serve our neighbors well in the days ahead. So whatever we choose to do, whether we regather or whether we stay back and experience a virtual worship service, we, we move forward without resident, reticence and faith that we belong to Christ and faith that we are called by him to be his servants as a church in Rockingham County. And that he's called us to do great works, even greater works than he himself did in his name 